So when you think of a prophet, what images come to mind? I mean, what does a prophet look like? Is a prophet a large, imposing character who points fingers at individuals and institutions? What does a prophet sound like? Do prophets have these booming voices that thunder distressing news or tongues as sharp as a spear that penetrate into our deepest places of guilt and worry? Oof, those are some of the images that I have when I think of the prophets of Israel from long ago, prophets who are constantly nagging us about our sins and confronting us with hard truths about, well, about our lives. Most days, it seems that those prophets of old stopped speaking to us moderns long ago. Or perhaps, perhaps we just stopped listening. Are there prophets today? Can you think of any? I've thought a good bit about this recently as we're reading through the Bible Project 2020. And many of the folks whom I would call prophet might just say that they are being faithful trying to live out their discipleship with integrity. Like Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a German theologian, author, and Christian, who at the age of 26 gave a radio address against the evils of Adolf Hitler's leadership just two days after Hitler came to office. And about 15 years later, Bonhoeffer ended up dying in a Nazi concentration camp, trying to end Hitler's terror. Or Martin Luther King Jr., who preached and wrote and rallied for the equality of all people, regardless of the color of one's skin. He resisted oppressive systems, and he ended up dying at the very hands of racism. Or Mother Teresa, a Catholic missionary who was appalled by poverty and embodied a life of love for the poor, taking in orphans and lepers, ministering to the unwanted, the unloved, the uncared for, living by the motto, if you can't feed a hundred people, then just feed one. Truly, there are many others, so many others. I mean, you don't even have to be famous for someone to think of you as a prophet, and you certainly don't have to claim the title, but simply be willing to speak and live as a mouthpiece for God. Take Eula Hall. She's a 93-year-old Appalachian woman who describes herself as a hillbilly activist. She has an eighth grade education. And like many prophets, she had a burning sense of purpose. She founded the Mud Creek Clinic in southeastern Kentucky to provide health care for the poor. And then she raised money to rebuild it after it burned down in 1982. Why did she do it? Because she said, I looked around and I said to myself, it taint right like this. No medical service here. It taint right. Somebody needs to act. And I guess that somebody was me. The prophet Jeremiah, he would have understood. You see, he had not planned on being a prophet. He was from a family, a priest. And I bet it wasn't hard for him to clearly see that things, well, things were not right in Israel. Indeed, he may have been mumbling under his breath that someone ought to do something about it. But he certainly wasn't planning on that somebody being him. But you know what? 
God had other plans. Yes, God had other plans. Today, we are looking at the opening of the book of Jeremiah, which is the longest and most complex of the prophetic books. The historical setting is the 6th century BCE. It's just before and during the Babylonian exile. It is a time of great suffering when Judah's leaders are carried off into captivity, their economy destroyed, and their temple leveled. And in the book of Jeremiah, we learn that Jeremiah is sad. He's gloomy. He is distraught, distraught about a whole range of things. And he calls God's people to repent, to turn their lives around and return to God. Now, Jeremiah is not foretelling the future. Rather, he is calling the people to faithfulness and reminding them of what might happen if they refuse to obey God's commands. Some think that Jeremiah was a quiet, introspective loner who was maybe in his late teens when God called and commissioned him to be a prophet. What was God thinking? I mean, why choose Jeremiah to share this significant message over nations and empires to dig up and pull down, to destroy and demolish, to build and to plant? What did God see in him? Was it because God had an eye on Jeremiah since before he was born? Was it because God knew that underneath that youthful exterior, an exterior that likely still had a little peach fuzz for a beard, underneath all of that, did, did God see a tenacity, a determination that could speak boldly to kings and princes, priests and people? Or maybe, maybe God recognized the hurt and grief that Jeremiah carried, the family scars, if you will, because Jeremiah's family's past made him look and feel like an outsider all throughout his long career. Truly, those who face cultural, ethnic, racial, linguistic, religious, or other prejudices in today's workplaces, they can identify with what Jeremiah faced every day of his life. Jeremiah did not ask for the role of prophet, nor does he respond like that prophet Isaiah. Remember, after Isaiah's vision of God's holiness and majesty, he heard God ask, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And immediately Isaiah says, here am I, send me. But it wasn't like that for Jeremiah. When God let him in on his life's plans, Jeremiah reacted much more like Moses, who gave God some fine excuses Remember, Moses was that self-avowed public stammerer. And Jeremiah's excuse was, I, I don't know how to speak. I'm so young. I'm inexperienced. But God doesn't seem to care about that excuse. And immediately he gives Jeremiah a prophetic message for the people. So the first point I want to emphasize is that God had plans and God called or chose Jeremiah to be a prophet. Have you ever felt God's tug on your heart? God calling you to a particular task? How did you respond? With an immediate yes, like Isaiah? Or a little hesitation, like Moses and Jeremiah? Jeremiah's persistence in delivering his unwelcome message for over four decades is remarkable. So why did he do it? Because of God because of God's love, because God's love and care is for the whole of creation. So whatever God does, it builds on that foundation and no other. 
through the years, when people have rebelled against God and turned away from what God intended, they found themselves left with heartache and misfortune. And that's why God sends prophets, sometimes to deliver harsh warnings, other times to give heartfelt pleas for repentance, and even to offer sweet, tender words of hope always inviting the wayward back into right relationship with God and one another. Yes, Jeremiah cared, and that's why he wept so bitterly. That's why he lamented over the wrongs of his people. He cared that his community had moved so far from God. Jeremiah literally shed tears over the condition of the world and the mixed-up values and priorities that the people had similar to the way Jesus will weep over Jerusalem some 600 years later. Jeremiah says, If only my head were a spring of water and my eyes a fountain of tears, I would weep day and night for the wounds of my people. He wept because their evil deeds had exceeded all limits. They worshipped idols, putting other gods before Yahweh. They were indifferent to the plight of the orphan, and they were reluctant to defend the rights of the poor. Oh my, what might Jeremiah be saying to us in 2020? Yes, Jeremiah wept because he cared deeply about the ills of his day. Seeing God's love for the whole creation, Jeremiah followed with deep care and concern for his people. And he did it with tremendous courage. Even though he was harassed and ridiculed, slapped and spit upon, stuck in the stockade, thrown into a partially dry cistern where he sank deep in the mud, Jeremiah continued to courageously speak truth to power and call people to change their ways. He railed against idolatry, the worship or or devotion of anything, anything other than God. In Jeremiah's time, they were literally worshiping other gods. What do we worship? What do we prioritize over our relationship with God? Maybe we're not bowing down before graven images, but we are obsessed with power, prestige, protection. Maybe it's our love of money, our love of the status quo, perhaps our love of the flag, our love of the privileges we possess. Any of these things, any one of them can become our idols if those things are given the status of ultimacy and moved into the place that rightly belongs to God. Another thing Jeremiah got worked up about was injustice. And this has to do with any form of unfair treatment in which the rights of a person or group of people are ignored. It has to do with those actions that cause or inflict undeserved hurt or injury on another. Injustice is any act that is unfair to another or violates one's rights. I think if you listen to the evening news or listen deeply to the stories of your neighbors, you can witness injustice. The third thing that Jeremiah got animated about was the belief that they were secure in their, from secure from destruction and violence simply because God is faithful. Well, yes, God is faithful, but it was like the Israelites thought they were invincible, unbeatable, because God had blessed them and is on their side. They thought they had security apart from faithfulness. 
So Jeremiah speaks to the people literally as their treasured beliefs and institutions are being dismantled, calling them to be less prideful, admit their wrongs, and return to God. I cannot imagine the courage it took for him to proclaim such a harsh word, but he did with stubborn tenacity. And through it all, he was calling his people to repent, trying to help them find their way back to God, back to the original intention of loving God and loving neighbor, or around here we would say loving all. Finding that kind of courage, it takes a lot out of a person, but there are times in our lives when we are called to do just that if we're going to find our way and help others find their way back to God. This morning, I want you to consider what is happening in your own life in these challenging days where you are asked to be, where you are needing to be courageous like Jeremiah. How are you being called to step up with courage right now in these days? I mean, maybe God is asking you simply to become more informed about the issues and ills of our day. Or to take it a step farther and run for public office, become a local leader. Either of those can be a bit daunting, but I urge you to be strong and courageous if you think God is calling you. Perhaps you're facing a new diagnosis for yourself or a loved one. And though you wish things were different, like you wish you could actually be in the same room with them, even so, sincere courage is being summoned from you. Perhaps, perhaps you're concerned about a particular child or the difficulties of raising and educating children in these crazy times of a pandemic. Maybe you're dealing with the declining health of a parent, you or a loved one with an addiction or the unraveling of a relationship. And God is giving you courage to be present, to be helpful, to bring about change. Maybe Maybe just maybe you find yourself in a whole new chapter of life, expected or unexpected, with grief and anxiety, and you are not in control because you have to wait. You have to be patient. You have to trust. And God is in these challenging moments calling you to be courageous. If any of those seem to fit, then my friends, listen again to our passage. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I consecrated you. Jeremiah's life took many unexpected twists and turns as our lives do. Yet even in the worst and most desperate of times, God never left Jeremiah, nor will God leave you. Jeremiah was called and chosen. He served with care and compassion, and he spoke with courage and conviction. I pray this day that we can each become just a little more like Jeremiah. Will you pray with me? Oh, Holy One, may we listen intently to the ways you are calling us to be compassionate and courageous as we find our way back to your original intention of loving you and loving all. Amen. <music>